0: My name is Jim. If you're new here, I'm so glad you're here. If you're old here, I'm so glad you're here. If you're here, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for choosing to be with us today. We are in the second part of a four-part series that is called Grace is Greater. It's a huge topic and a very, very uh, core topic that I think that we need to just spend some time on. Last week, we hit the topic, grace is greater than my guilt. That's a huge topic. All that God did to eliminate our guilt. Part of the lesson last week was that grace is greater than religion. That religion as an approach to try to earn God's approval, to appease for our guilt, to atone somehow for our own sin, doesn't work. And that's why Jesus came, to pay the price for our sin. And so that's a huge topic. Grace is greater than my guilt. Our series has a description that goes like this. Grace is God's plan to overcome your past, redeem your pain, and rewrite your story. I hope your story is a page turner. And I hope you recognize that you're not the only one involved in writing that story. In fact, God is the author of life, and he is doing all kinds of things around you to shape your story, and I don't know if you recognize that, and he's at work in your life. I want you to begin to look for his redeeming grace and what he's doing and and looking to him to redeem your pain and rewrite your story. Today we're looking at the topic... Grace is greater than my wounds. Grace is greater than my wounds. Now, when I announced that we're going to do that this week, I wonder if you were thinking, "Oh, great! I want to come because I'm hurting. I'd love for I'd love to just go before God and allow Him to just put this this healing touch on my life, where just ah oh, from my pain and ah oh, to push the button, God, ah oh, you know. But I'm afraid that the message I'm going to bring to you is not that quick, and it's not that way. It's a, it's a methodology that is actually one that we tend to naturally resist. We don't really want to go there. Well, and to kind of introduce that topic, I have cereal again. Somebody jokingly said, I hear there's a rumor started, you're the cereal pastor. But... <laughs> Uh, Last week it was Kellogg's, and uh, what that proved to me is I'm really old. I mean, you guys didn't even remember that old, old campaign about Kellogg's, and so I'm going to try to get younger, hopefully see if you remember this one. Do you remember an old commercial? It is old, where there's three little brothers, I think they're brothers, and the guy says, what's that? He says, I don't know. It's supposed to be good for you. And the other brother says, you try it. No, I don't want to try it. You try it. And then they look to their littlest brother. He says, let's have Mikey try it. He hates everything. You guys remember that one? Hey, I'm feeling younger already. (laughs) Success. All right, so you remember that one. Now, what we want to do is to experience grace, and like this Life Serial, the toughest part of the series for me is to try to describe grace to you. And what we're going to get into today literally is something like, I don't know, it's supposed to be good for you. I don't want to try it. That's what we feel. It's very, very normal to feel that. Okay? And the only way that you'll actually decide to open the box and try it is if the explanation and maybe somebody else's experience of trying it says, no, really, this is worth it. You ought to try it. And then you'll venture into it and try this thing. The reason I say all of that is when it comes to our wounds, we seriously do not want to do what God says is the answer. When people wound us, we're going to discover that Jesus says, what you need to do is forgive them. And inside of us, we don't want to do that. Here's the focus for today. Forgive each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. We all kind of agree with that if we've heard that, and we kind of, yep, God forgave us, it's good. People are supposed to forgive each other. And as a thought... And if I was just describing the ingredients of grace and just describing, that you know, forgiveness is an important thing, you go, yeah, 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 until, until somebody hurts you deeply. And as soon as somebody hurts you deeply, the last thing you want anybody to tell you is forgive them. You do not want to forgive them. In fact, I think that part of the problem is we have a God-given innate sense that wrongs need to be righted. That there is justice, and there, there needs to be justice. But here's what we learned last week. We had our sins piled upon sins, piled upon sins, the worst shameful sin that we could think of, the one we regret the most, and then add all of the other ones, every single sin you can remember, and then there's those you don't remember. All of that was forgiven by God. And now that that is forgiven, that's what this verse is talking about, forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Yeah, but he, and we want to, our justice rises up. So when somebody says forgive that person, we dig in our heels. We really do. At least I do. You do too? Yes, yes. It's hard to forgive somebody who hurts us deeply. You know what else is hard? When we are hurt repeatedly over and over again. It's very hard to go to the place of forgiveness. It's like, no way. I don't want to forgive you. Not at all. So, My goal and desire is to approach the subject of grace, not in a descriptive way and read the ingredients and give you theology and all that kind of stuff, but try to motivate you with my explanation and with enough to maybe get you to do something you don't want to do, open the box and try it. Because unless you try it, you won't know that forgiveness really is the path to heal that wound. It's not enough to talk about it. Not enough to agree with it. You really have to try it. Okay? Point number one Grace is only grace if it goes both ways. Grace is only grace if it goes both ways. Last week we talked about receiving grace. We talked about your shameful sins, your regrets, your past, the things that you do and you know you shouldn't do them and you do them anyway. All of that has been forgiven in Jesus Christ if you allow it to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. That debt has been paid. That's receiving grace. But that grace isn't going to come to you unless it flows through you and becomes giving grace as well. So we've received grace and we've received so much grace, we should be able to give grace. We've received forgiveness, and we've received so much forgiveness that we should be able to forgive. We've been loved by God, and we've been loved so much by God that we should be able to love. We've been so blessed by God that we should become a blessing to others. And all of us go, that's lovely. As a concept, it's lovely until the person hurts me badly. And I go, no, 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 no. You can't be asking me to forgive him. That's just wrong. And we want to stop. I can't forgive him. It just wouldn't be right because our justice rises up inside of us. But the path of healing comes when grace is both ways. It comes into us and through us and now becomes even more real. And we learned from Mikey, we might want to try this. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 688 and that chair Bible in front of you. Um, if you don't have a Bible that's easy to read and you like how this one reads, we want to go ahead and give that one to you. If you don't have one that's easy to read, put your name on it because there's a bunch of them around here. You want yours to be yours and you can write in it circle words, etc., etc., Peter felt just like we did. After Jesus talked about forgiveness, here was his question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? I think Peter thought he was being really generous. He gets so generous, he uses a godly number. In the Bible, seven is like the number for God. He created the world in seven days. We have this, you know, and he picks the godly number. I'm sure he was thinking, all right, I could say three, you know, one time and I'll forgive you, two times and I'll forgive you, three times you're out. Okay, but he, he goes way above what anybody does. He says, Seven times? Is that how many times I got to forgive? I, I, I see this forgiveness thing's really important. And then this is what Jesus answers. Jesus says in the next verse, verse 22, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So Peter goes, Man, that's a, that's a long count up. I'm going to lose track. Well, Jesus isn't talking about counting up. Okay, because in some translations, it says even 70 times seven times. So is it 77 or is it 490? That's not the point. The point is, no, 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 you're counting. You got to quit counting. You got to just forgive and keep forgiving. That didn't satisfy Peter. I'm pretty sure that Jesus looked at Peter and thought he's not getting this. So then he goes into a story. Now we're going to go into that story. Hopefully you turned in that Bible to page 688 because we're going to read that story and it's not going to be on the screen where he begins to go into a story to explain why this forgiveness thing is so critical to your own healing. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Would you say 10,000 bags of gold with me? Ready? 10,000 bags of gold. My first question is, how big? How big a bag? All right? That's a lot of gold. 10,000 bags of gold. Okay? Now, as Jesus is telling this story, he's using a number that's so astronomical, it's going to grab everybody's attention, like, almost chuckle. 10,000 bags of gold? you got to be kidding me. I mean, what's the biggest debt you can think of? All right, our national debt. And so if you get to national debt, it's like you're thinking, how could we ever pay this off? And that's the kind of thing that they're talking about here. You owe the what? That much? How could you ever pay this thing off? Okay, and that's what's going on at the beginning of his story. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, in that culture, they would get that. That was something that sometimes happened. People could be sold to help pay the debt. That's really not going to do it, though. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And then the king says, you can read it right there, yeah, right. Actually, you can't, that's just all of the R reaction. Yeah, right. Be patient with me? You're going to pay off the national debt if we just give you a little time? I don't think so. I mean, the story is almost absurd, the debt's so huge, but that's the point. The debt is so huge, and he's asking for more time so he can pay it off. He can't do it. He doesn't have what it it takes to pull it off, and then we keep reading the story. What happens? Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That is what we talked about last week, okay? We talked about... Grace is greater than my guilt. What we cannot pay off, God paid off and Jesus paid our debt for us. That's what we talked about last week. But in this story, that people who are listening don't really know that yet. It's just a story about forgiveness and they're listening with rapt attention. And <clears throat> verse 28, But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owe, owed him a hundred silver coins. Okay, okay, A hundred silver coins is nothing like 10,000 bags of gold. This is just a doable debt versus an impossible debt. So we got an impossible debt compared with a doable debt. But watch what this guy who has forgiven the impossible debt, watch what he does. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back this time do you hear the echo that's exactly what he said be patient with me I'll pay it back which was stupid yeah right but this time this guy he really could if he was patient with him he can pay it back and he's saying it please give me a little grace and what do we see happen but he refused verse 30 instead he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt So he's thrown into a debtor's prison and, and his whole family's in ruins for a little tiny manageable debt when he was forgiven the unmanageable debt and released from that bondage. He's doing unto others what you would not have done unto you and he is doing it. So now we're ready for point number two. Grace receivers can't afford to be ungracious. Grace Receivers can't afford to be ungracious. I just want to make sure if you're awake here. How many of you are grace receivers? All right, just in case you're not awake or you didn't raise your hand. All right, you're a grace receiver today because the sun still shines. You're a grace receiver today because we're not flying off the face of the planet as it spins in enormous speeds. We're not going... Or we're grace receivers because the planet who's at the perfect tilt doesn't go... and then really fry us up right? We are grace receivers every day. We are grace receivers because we can take our next breath. It's not something we can take for granted. We're grace receivers because our heart keeps beating and we're not doing anything to try to make it beat. It just beats. But bigger than that, we're grace receivers because we have been given forgiveness. We have been given an eternal kind of life that goes beyond this life. How many of you are grace receivers? Okay, so three of you are not awake yet, so I'm going to keep going. Grace receivers can't afford to be ungracious. Now the story continues. Verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. Look on the screen. That's the word I highlighted. Outraged. And went and told their master everything that had happened. So all the other servants of the king hear about the guy who is forgiven the unmanageable debt, the impossible debt. He was forgiven this, and what? He goes out and chokes the guy for this manageable debt? That's outrageous. That's the reaction of all the servants. Now I want you to say that with me. That's outrageous. Ready? That's outrageous. All the hearers of the story are going to feel that. That's outrageous. I can't believe he did that. That's the point of Jesus telling this story. It's outrageously wrong. Okay? So we continue the story at verse 32, and we read this. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And the answer is Yes. Yes. We would love this story if it ends here. This story would be great. He's learned his lesson. Yes, you're right. Sorry. Get him out of prison. And end of story, good. We got the lesson. We all all go home and eat our lunch and have a happy day. All right? But Jesus doesn't end the story here. He takes us to a really uncomfortable spot. Here's what we read. In anger, his master, the one that's questioning him, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. He had forgiven his debt, but because he was refusing to be gracious, even though he was receiving grace, now the debt is not forgiven. He's thrown into jail, and he's the king, and he can pull that off. That's the end of the story, but Jesus makes it even more uncomfortable because now he brings the moral of the story, why he tells the story to begin with. And it makes a lot of people mad. It makes people angry. Here's how Jesus tells the moral of the story. This is what we're supposed to get out of this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Grace receivers cannot afford to be ungracious. Just to get at that, I want to put it in these words. What? You're telling me that if I don't forgive the person who hurt me, who abused me, who betrayed me, who cheated me, who cheated on me, who abandoned me? What? You're telling me if I don't forgive that person, you're telling me if I don't forgive him or her, then God won't forgive me? I'm not telling you that. Jesus is. That is Jesus' point, and there's no way around it. It is frightening, and people get mad at Jesus for saying, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus says, it's not your job to enter into the justice department. It's your job to enter into the grace department. I will take care of the justice. That's not up to you. You have to let the grace flow into you and through you because that's what I did for you. Explaining that theologically doesn't often settle in. So Jesus lived it. So his story, we feel it. Here's what it might look like if we felt this story. Here's a video.
1: One ring. That's all it took to change Elizabeth's life. Hello? Elizabeth answered and received the news no mother wants to hear. On his way home, Ted, her son, was hit head-on by a car across the median. Tommy was driving the other car. He had been at a party where he had gotten drunk. He blacked out driving and never even saw Ted Morris's car coming down the other side of the road. Ted died the next morning. Tommy's blood alcohol level was about three times the legal limit. Almost two years later, the trial closed when Tommy reached a plea bargain that allowed him to be freed on probation. Tommy was now free, and Elizabeth began having revenge fantasies in which she would kill him. But Elizabeth had a problem. She was the recipient of grace. A Christian, Elizabeth took her pain to God, and as she prayed, she realized that her Heavenly Father had also had his innocent son murdered. She knew she had to forgive Tommy as God had forgiven her. Not much later Tommy got drunk and violated his parole agreement. Tommy was sentenced to three months in prison and Elizabeth visited him regularly. When he got out, Elizabeth and her husband Frank began building a relationship with Tommy and talking to him about Jesus. One night Elizabeth, Frank, and Tommy drove to church, where Frank baptized his son's killer. Elizabeth and Frank now view Tommy as their son. He attends church with them every Sunday, and then they go out for lunch. Tommy calls them every single day. Elizabeth put all of her pain into God's hands and shared His amazing grace.
0: Grace is God's plan to overcome your past, redeem your pain, and rewrite your story. That lady never saw her story going in this direction. She never thought it would ever be rewritten this way. The litmus test for grace. Their litmus test for the reality of the grace in your life is the extent to which you give grace and forgiveness to the person who has hurt you the most and deserves it the least. When you can forgive that, then you will discover that God's grace is very real and very powerful. Grace is greater than your wound. Last week, I shared with you the front half of a verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, where it says, do not let anyone miss grace. What follows up that verse is don't allow the root of bitterness to grow up inside of you. Bitterness will cut you off from the flow of grace into your life. And as a result, that grace is cut off from you, and it's your doing. Jesus says this in so many different ways. In so many different places, that's why we can't get around this. To receive grace, you must become a channel of grace. To experience a grace that can heal that wound. So it's going to take us opening the box. Even though we don't like it, or we think we don't like it, but we've heard enough, we've seen enough, so we open the box and we decide, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to taste this. I'm going to see if it really is what they say it is. Even though the guy that we thought hates everything, now he's saying, no, this is good. Will you? On the screen is going to be a prayer in a moment, and the first screen is going to be a prayer that I'm going to encourage all of us to open the box, taste grace, In the second screen, I'm going to go to a place that's uncomfortable, so I'm not going to have you stand up because we're going to go to a place of silence and we're going to try to go to that place that maybe we can only start today where we literally taste the grace that is so supernaturally powerful that you can't do this on your own, but you venture into this supernatural zone of, okay, God, and forgive what you have been hurt with. So... If you're ready to try grace, we're gonna pray the first prayer out loud and then there'll be a point where we go silent and I'll read the silent instructions Then you can look at the silent instructions and try to insert your pain and just try to taste the grace that comes through you and be obedient in that. So here we go. Ready? Out loud together. Dear God, I thank you for the great grace and kindness you have given me. You have forgiven me. You are patient with me. I confess, I have not shown that same kindness or patience or grace toward those who have hurt and offended me. Lord Jesus, you are not asking me to feel like forgiving. You are asking me to forgive. So, because I have received such great grace, I choose to forgive. Now, I'm going to read this silent section. Then you can keep looking in the screen and try to apply it to you. Take some time now before God and pray something like this. I choose to forgive, and you insert the person's name. If you can't even know their name, describe them. God knows who you're talking about. For, and then what it is he did or failed to do. Even though they made me feel blank. Don't skip that one. You need to revisit the emotions that made you feel so wronged because that's what you're releasing I choose to let go of my resentment, I relinquish my right to seek revenge, I ask you by your great grace to heal my damaged emotions. If you get that far, then we're gonna conclude out loud together the white print. So let me just give you a, a minute or two to walk through whatever it is that God brings to your attention that's something you need to release, something you need to forgive, and walk through that formula. At least start by opening the box. Go there, right now, silently. Now I realize that we're really only opening the box, that really this takes a little bit of process and maybe working through, I've worked through multiple hurts with people where sometimes it takes hours to kind of work through the pain and work through the process and be able to let that go. But this is a start. Let's conclude this with the out loud prayer at the end. Ready? Thank you for setting me free from the bondage of my bitterness. I now ask you to bless those who have hurt me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All I've done today is brought you what Jesus teaches about the pathway to walk if you want those wounds to be healed, to express grace, and he can then allow that grace to flow through you and touch another life, and then it'll become more and more powerful in your own life, and it'll become a supernatural grace, not something that you're trying on your own. I hope you can go there or that you'll experience that. This is an awkward place to finish. It's like heavy, but we're done. Until you take it and taste it and experience it and go in this direction as you need.